Well, well, well. Welcome to the Cajun and Eskimo show from Bayou to Igloos on Muddy Waters Media. Kate, uh, I was gonna say Cajun Eskimo. How are you? <laughs> I am doing excellent. How are you doing? And then, yeah, you've you've had a rough week with Mother with Nature over there. Yeah, it's actually been a rough month with um with just life circumstances, and that's okay. And then you know today with the whole internet situation uh the ida scenario which i actually did not have to suffer personally but a lot of a lot of people did and we'll i don't have a whole lot of statistics for that but we'll go over it a little bit as far as what people need and where they can go to help so what's going on with you in alaska real quick before we jump into the uh, intro well i've really getting been getting into the thick of things with my community in terms of like political advocacy and I don't know, building up sort of like a local reputation. And I'm really excited about all these projects I've been working on this uh, week. So super exciting stuff. So I'll be talking about Alaskan issues as usual. So. And no, look, that's what we love because we want to hear those stories. Um, several comments already. What's up, y'all? Hey, peeps, evening, all that. Love y'all very much. Very fantastic. So I um, I want to get into the topics that we have at hand real quick that you guys have seen in several of the uh, pages and profiles that we, we, we monitor. So I'm trying to get to that right now. But you know what? It's not wanting to load because... Facebook, right? So, tonight on the Cajun Eskimo show, we're going to wing it on the uh on the caption. Uh we'll we'll briefly review what's going on in with the Ida victim situation, the Ida situation in general. Uh, I don't have a whole lot of stats for that, but we'll just go over what what is going on real quick and how you can help. Also, Alaska is making the right steps into the agricultural department. And that is very important. That may not seem very important to a lot of us, but I promise you that it is because it's going to set precedent for the rest of the country as far as how we can maneuver the agricultural department aside from the government and how we can ourselves personally contribute. Also, a man gets shot. Over masks, which way does that go? We'll find out real soon. And then a very, to in my opinion, very fascinating Nat Geo segment. Um, stay tuned for that. And oh. then we'll have obviously our yeah. It's um, it, it, when I first heard the news about the the Nat Geo segment that I wanted, uh, obviously that you know the news did not present to me that this is going to be a muddied waters Nat Geo segment. But as I dug into it, it's, it's pretty freaking fascinating. It may be a little alarming. I don't know. Depends on how you take it. And then, um, yeah, we'll get right into it. Big segment, big Eskimo, big Eskimo, big episode from Eskimo. Oh, don't call a woman large. <laughs> oh man. I shouldn't have known. 
I should have known. As soon as I messed that up, I should have okay, known. Okay, I have I a chubby avatar. It's chubby. <laughs> yeah, the chubby cheeks of justice, according to Thomas Daniel Quitter, which we will also get into that we have named a new segment for Thomas Quitter uh, for your anchor calling moments. So stay tuned. That will be at the end of the episode as we get into the Cajun and Eskimo show from Bayou's Igloos tonight, right now. Yes, yes, yes. That is an amazing intro, by the way. Uh, for those for those of you that don't know, Matt Wright created that intro for us, who is the founder and co-owner of Muddy Waters Media, which is fantastic. You know what else is fantastic? Cumberland Cannabis Company. Viable, ethical, effective for all your CBD, CBG, I hope, Delta 8, um, that sounds weird with the Delta 8 variant coming across, but not to mix that up. We are talking strictly about organic medicine at Cumberland Cannabis Company in Tennessee, locally grown. They also make probably the best whiskey. And if you get COVID, I do not suggest that you take several shots of whiskey that night. Because it may not help you. I hope that the underlying tone helps. But what does help Cumberland, Cumberland Cannabis Company, viable, ethical, effective Cumberland Cannabis Company. Thank you for sponsoring the show. Thank you for leading the cause in Tennessee. We are very, very, very grateful. You're getting better at saying Cumberland Cannabis Company. <laughs> yeah, I'm trying. Um, I don't do enough of the things that I'm supposed to do. And that's just a fact. But now that I've said Cumberland Cannabis Company a bunch of times, it's there for me in the memory bank. That's called muscle memory. You know what else should be muscle memory? The fact that if you are in the state of Pennsylvania, you should be voting for Joe Salaski for Pennsylvania governor. He is running for governor, folks, and he is the key to Pennsylvania success. Look at that stunning silver bearded man, not to be confused with someone who led hobbits to uh, Isengard or whatnot. Uh, <laughs> Joe Salaski, the silver bearded man for Pennsylvania governor. <laughs> He's the key to Pennsylvania success. That's nice. I like that silver bearded. Absolutely. Nice silver, beard. silver bearded. Um, I, there's a lot of comments already and I hate the fact that I can't show them on our screen. I really Really do. There's like literally a ton of comments on Facebook or 
You, you know, I can't with restream with which uh with which muddied waters media uses, I can't tell. Oh. Surprise. It looks like all Facebook. <laughs> looks like all Facebook. Okay. So, awesome. But I, I, I can't really tell. A lot of comments, a lot of it about the hurricane, a lot of it about so glad to have y'all on tonight because it's been a stressful week. Like quite literally, that, that that's the kind of support that we're getting. That's the kind of uh, show that we have at this point now uh, is what I'm seeing from the comment section, not just only right here, right now, but from a lot that you guys really love listening to Eskimo and in myself on Friday nights, which is absolutely outstanding. And that, that brings me to a very um, valid point before we get into Eskimo segment. Also, by the way, if you didn't know, we had the raffle for the Cajun Libertarian hat. It is boxed up and ready for package. This is not it. This is brand new. Oh. Brand new. I just took the, the sticker off, had it made. The uh, original that we raffled off for the family sold every ticket possible. Every ticket that we put out there sold it. So the family that's in need will get every absolute cent of what's going on there. Uh, you could probably still see the sticker mark there. Anyway, um, I want to address the fact real quick that there is an issue with my page with me on Facebook. If you didn't know, you know now. Um, they are right now trying to burn everything that I've I've done or we've done really it's a it's a big team eskimo can tell you that it, it's a large team and we all fight very hard to make sure that we get every bit of information out there that is possible for the liberty movement and they have burned my profile the k or cajun libertarian and by extension because of how facebook operates because cajun libertarian is the owner of the cajun libertarian which has 18,000 followers there's a high probability that that will get nuked. And so we started a secondary page, which I have fought desperately to not involve my personal life, my personal friends, my personal family, my personal name in this situation. But it is what it is. And so I went ahead and did that because I know that you guys are going to go and like and follow that page right there, Noel Olin. That is me, if you didn't know. That is my name from start to finish, Noel Oland. And there are already about 1.5 thousand followers. Nice. Uh, in just <laughs> less than six hours, I believe. Because I do believe that the Cajun Libertarian page will get burnt, nuked, zucked. It doesn't matter what you want to say. So please go follow and like and share that page. Because... The more followers that we can get on that specific page right there with my actual name on it can get a blue check right beside it. And it makes it vastly, vastly more difficult for Facebook to nuke it once you have a blue check. And I have no doubt that within the next 60 days, that that account right there, that page will have a blue check. That's me. That's my real name. 
please go like and follow it. And let's get the blue check on there so that we can avoid having our voice eliminated. As you well know, I have shared many things from not just Eskimo, from Spike, from all over the country that are voices of liberty. And there's a lot of people that are going to see that voice, going to see our movement, going to see our impression. And I need your help to do it. So that is about it for that. I don't want to drag it on. I'm a little bit frustrated today. I woke up this morning and my profile was just cooked for no reason. No warning. Just, hey, by the way, 30-day ban. We're not going to tell you why. You didn't violate anything. So it will inevitably lead to the page that I have that has 18,000 followers on it getting nuked as well. Yeah, I remember I was going through the chat and I was actually trying to find a meme from Carly, who is part of our social media team. And right. I saw her account was gone. And I was like, no, oh my gosh. Is it? And I couldn't find her and I couldn't find other folks. I couldn't find you. And I was like, they're coming for me. <laughs> that was my first thought, like, oh God. <laughs> I mean, I've, I've been zooked before. So it's a lot of work to bring it back up to what it is. <laughs> it's a lot. It's but that's okay. Zucked. Zucchini. Zucked. <laughs> Zuckerberg. Zucked. But that is hilarious. Don't change anything. Keep it zooked. That is perfectly, perfectly applicable. Yeah, it's a rough situation, right? I mean, Muddy Waters Media is, is kind of always at risk. We did pass the 30,000 follower mark, which um, to my understanding, that makes us celebrities, according to Facebook, which again, that makes it very hard to zuck, right? Mm -hmm. And so that's the whole point of me starting the page under my real name. The whole reason I didn't do that is because I didn't want my personal life being involved in this situation. But this situation is important. What Eskimo has to say is important. What Spike, Matt, Jason, and everybody that is within the Liberty Movement, our voices are important. So you know what? You can have my real name. Um, and we'll just go from there. We're, we're going to do what we can and what we have to do to make sure that this message is spread far and wide. Period. So. With that being said, Eskimo has a very important message to spread far and wide on the Liberty Movement on Muddy Waters Media. Yeah, uh, so I know originally I was going to talk about the agriculture industry up here in Alaska. Um, I don't really have too many notes on it uh, per se. I went to this event this last Sunday at the Alaska State Fair, which by the way, the Alaska State Fair is going on right now. and I'll be at the Alaska State Fair next Sunday. I'll talk about that later. But pretty much I went to this bill signing event and uh, pretty much so Alaska seems to be ahead of all the other states when it comes to cannabis, marijuana, any sort of products that you can get from cannabis. And this bill was specifically focusing on hemp. And so I don't really have all the details about the bills, like all the specifics, but pretty much uh, we're making it more and more legal here in terms of manufacturing and selling hemp products. And 
which is pretty big. I mean, hemp is a very uh, versatile product that we can use that to replace like plastics, you know, packaging, uh, paper products. Uh, there's so many uses for hemp. Oh yeah, the textile industry, that's a huge one. The textile industry actually as a whole in um, all over the world is one of the big contributors of pollution, especially in our oceans, believe it or not. Hemp can be a great um, eco-friendly alternative uh, in terms of textile textiles. So, uh, and then also there's a paper industry. Um, hemp isn't good for toilet paper. I keep hearing that. Uh, so my degree is in chemical engineering and I took some classes about paper engineering, which actually is associated with it a lot of times. And uh, it would feel like uh, sandpaper on your ass, <laughs> to be honest. Because people were like, oh, you can replace toilet paper with it. And like, no, <laughs> don't do that. Um, I think something else that should be noted as well, uh, the yield ratio of usable fiber from hemp compared to wood is uh, not favorable. Uh, so it can be, there's some stuff that needs to be fixed in terms of that regard, but hemp is still great for so many other things. And you can Google all the different things that you can replace with hemp. And I'm sure like by opening up the industry up here in Alaska, we'll be able to find more uses for it. So that's really exciting. That was one of the bills. The other one, um, it had to do with uh, milk products from farmers. And so they had the hashtag free the cheese. And so farmers can sell cheese. Um, they're working on letting farmers sell raw milk. Uh, I was actually talking with Senator Shelley Hughes. Uh, she's a state senator here. And she was talking about how they hope to work on so that uh, local farmers can sell raw milk by the end of the year. So that wasn't associated in this bill. I don't know why, but farmers can sell cheese, their own cheese, oh. which is exciting. So it's pretty much uh, the big thing. That, the big thing here is uh, nullification. So you have things from the federal government that are restricting you and what you can do selling your own products uh, like hemp or like I don't know, cheese from your own farm. Here in Alaska, we're slowly chipping away at that federal regulations and being like, nope, we're gonna allow our folks to actually do this. And so like, for example, the cannabis industry up here, we already have um, legalized marijuana, including recreational marijuana. And so we have dispensaries and there's on-site consumption too. And that's actually a thing that um, Joe Jorgensen fought for while she was up here in Alaska, while she was campaigning, which was a year ago. So uh, it's really exciting to see this. It's not to the point I'd like. Uh, we're making progress. So I'm really excited about that we're making progress, but I want to keep the momentum going. And I feel like sometimes lawmakers are like, oh, well, the federal government doesn't allow us. I'm like, well, they don't have the power to tell you not to do this, first off. And right. keep in mind when states, so this is how it works. The federal government can't tell you not to do that, but they will withhold funding and they've done it before. So for example, I believe it was Idaho uh, wouldn't raise the drinking age and they're like, okay, I mean, you can do that, but we're not gonna give you money. And so it's kind of like in this abusive relationship, like I got the money, you have to do what I say type of situation. 
So that's where that power is. It's not that they have the legal right. It's that they have this money that they're holding over their head. And it's like, oh, but we need the money. So Hmm. being able to take a stand and not accept the money from the federal government is what helps you in nullification. BT dubs. (laughs) So that was just kind of like a short little thing I wanted to talk about real quick. I also saw another article this morning that I wanted to talk about. Uh, but being able to go to the event and actually talk with the lawmakers that represent this area was really great. I was able to talk with them, tell them my concerns, and I really encourage folks, everyone that's listening, that you seek out these opportunities, that you let them know, like, hey, I'm greeting you as a constituent. This is my concern. And Shelley was you know, attentive and listening to what I had to say. And I was asking questions like, well, are we also going to work on raw milk? Oh yeah. So we're working on a bill and we're going to introduce it in December. And yeah, you know, getting involved like that, if they don't know what your concerns are, how can they help you? You can rant all you want on social media, but you have to be the one that's calling them, emailing them and going to these events and getting involved and you may find that by interacting with them, especially in person, they'll listen. Mm-hmm. Unless you have elected some nut job, and I don't know. I'm sorry. Next election, <laughs> get get involved. <laughs> but I, the experiences that I've had when talking to um, local government officials has always been a positive experience, and letting them know my concerns. And sometimes I brought up stuff that they didn't know was a concern in the in the community. So go do that folks. Yeah. And, and, and some of you may have some issue with the fact that you had maybe more of a struggle being able to contact your representatives. This is a common, a common issue. Uh, but don't give up. Don't quit trying because like Nellick is or Eskimo is saying, <clears throat> excuse me, we can affect real change by sending those emails, by making those calls, and by effectively putting the pressure on the people that are trying to write the laws. For sure. And it's, I mean, I'm going to hold her to it that they actually are going to work on this and introduce it in December because that's what she told me. But I'm really glad that they have a plan on working on Farmers being allowed to sell raw milk, which crazy, right? I mean, they're yeah. forcing you to take a experimental vaccine, but you can't have healthy raw milk from a local farmer. I want because I wanted to circle back Saki to that anyway. It's in it, it's absurd that a local farmer in Alaska or anywhere in the state has to have permission to sell their product at all. At all. That's absurd. I want you to, can you say that again, please? Like, thank God that our local farmers can sell milk. Right. Unbelievable. It's something that, you know, is healthy and it tastes really good and there's definitely a market for it. And hey, you keep the money local. I know we all know that farmers are constantly struggling. Um, There's such micromanagement and mismanagement when it comes to the agricultural um, industry. I'm sure 
folks like uh, Travis Bull Johnson. I know he's running for Congress. He can talk more about this because he works That's in right. the industry. And the more I look into it, it's quite sad how we treat farmers when it comes to um, regulations right. and laws that are just hindering them. And they are in this spot of poverty when they really shouldn't be. You know, they're providing food. They're providing the most essential thing. Other, I mean, the most essential yeah. thing is water. And then you got food, <laughs> you know, like everyone needs food and it's good. And I love local food. I love going to farmer's markets and helping out the farmers when I can, you know, helping out my local economy. But no, you're going to ask me to go to Kroger's and support a mega corporation like that to buy my milk. Why can't I just go to a local farmer? So this is really exciting. We're taking baby steps, like I said, baby steps. It's baby steps towards nullification. I would like to see bigger steps, but you know what? I'm happy for this. No, for and you should be. You should be happy for that. We're not gonna, we're not just gonna turn into an anarchist society tomorrow. It's going to require pragmatic uh, steps in the right direction. This is a good step in the right direction, so far as I can tell. Um, it has to be right. It's it's it's, it's better than it, it. It's clearly better than I have to ask the government's permission to buy milk from a farmer. Essentially, that's what we're talking about here. I don't want it to be minced, right? This is essentially what we're talking about here. You are literally having to get permission from the government to buy milk from a milk farmer. So yes, it's a great step in the right direction for Alaska. And think about the environmental impact. I mean, if you have to go to like Kroger's or some sort of grocery store, that product had to be shipped there. So shipping and travel costs and the harm on the environment, uh, Alaska's a long ways from the U.S., guys. <laughs> so having to ship that stuff here or having to process it at a plant and then ship it to a grocery store, why don't I just go to a local farmer and get it straight from the source? That's right. I mean... And then Not also the like that hemp bill too. That's another environmentally friendly bill. Yep. Nullification's right. environmentally friendly, guys. Yeah. <laughs> Not to mention the fact that uh, our milk or there's there's many there are many elements to the food industry that you're buying live, right? When you buy milk, you're buying live ingredients from an animal. So by the time it hits this producer in that shelf and then this shelf and it gets to your refrigerator, most of those live ingredients that would help you as far as gastroeconomically or gastro gastronomically, sorry, um, protein wise or enzyme wise, a lot of that stuff is dead. It's not alive anymore. So not only is it productive for you, in a healthy manner, it's counterproductive for you to a degree because you're not getting the live nutrients that you would actually get as if uh, Eskimo went to the store tomorrow and bought a gallon of milk from her farmer where you would get those enzymes and proteins and all of the healthy ingredients that by the time that they arrive to your Walmart or your Kroger and then to your shelf, those things are dead. And I could go on and on about that stuff, but I should not. 
Yeah, so it's just really exciting stuff. And that was something I wanted to share that I was able to attend and witness. And it was really cool. And um, there's a bunch of local farmers and um, local state representatives and senators um, all cheering and like, yeah. And I'm like, yeah, let's keep the momentum going, guys. Look how happy we all are. <laughs> you know? So that was really cool. Um, yeah, I also awesome. want to talk about this article that I saw this morning. So moving right along. The state capital is Juno. Do you know what the state capital is? Alaska. <laughs> it's Juno. <laughs> Sorry. Oh my God. That's be the worst dad joke I've ever heard. You mean that even a dad? That's the worst uh, joke I've ever heard. But I like it. Keep going. Super dorky. So, yeah, the state capital is Juno. So, if you look at Alaska, it kind of looks like this. Yeah, you got like the Aleutian Islands and I'm like, oh, I'm like in this area. So anyways, we have down here kind of going towards uh, Seattle and Portland are down here. Juno's over here and Alaska's really big. So it's kind of in the corner. So anyways, the only way to get to Juno is by boat or by plane. You cannot drive to Juno. It's on an island, guys. So there's no way to drive to there. And it's way in the corner, away from everyone. That's another issue that's really frustrating. They've been trying to move the state capital for a long time. That's been another issue. So that's our state capital. Looking at this article, it's titled Juno Commercial Property Owners Fight 50, 50, 50% increase in assessed land values. So why is this important? With that increase land value, you're gonna have to pay more in taxes and property taxes. So looking at the article, there's this uh, individual named Peggy Ann. And she says, my husband and I own the building that's also known as Cycle Alaska Building. And it is a building that we are appealing the 2021 assessed values on right now. So looking at it, her, property, which is, uh, they said is, uh, let's see, it's a sixth of an acre zoned waterfront commercial. That's what it is, a sixth of an acre, one sixth. And it was valued at $463,000, a lot of money. And that's just the lot. Wow. That's 50% higher than last year. That also means she owes $1,600 more in property taxes this year. Oh, that's a big chunk of change. Keep in mind, I only said that's the value of the lot. The value of the property, when you factor in the building that's on it, it's worth over $1.2 million. A lot. That's a lot. Yeah. yeah. So, Peggy Ann goes on to say that if she could actually put this on the market and sell it for $1.2 million, she would do it today. But the reality is she can't. And people won't pay that much for that property. This is a sixth of an acre worth $1.2 million. That is insane. And she has a huge uptick in property taxes because of it. Now, this is just one example. There's many examples like this throughout the town. In fact, 207 commercial properties are filing for appeals this year in the Juno area. 
207. So the individual that does the assessing or is the head of the assessing office, whatnot, isn't available for um, to talk about this. I don't know. It's kind of loosely explained that because of like political conflict or something or political interest, she's not allowed to talk and someone else has to talk for her. That was kind of weird. I don't know the details about that. But pretty much there's this guy that is talking about like, yeah, normally when people get upset about this, they bring me up to talk about it. And it's like, yeah, no shit. So he kind of just brushes it off. Like, yeah, people are always going to be upset when we assess their value, you know, their property as higher. No, Yeah, no shit. You have to pay higher in property taxes. And people aren't happy about this. So... Sorry. <laughs> yeah, no, you're good. My page just went blank. Can you still see me? Oh yeah, you're fine. <laughs> oh, okay, yeah. here we That's go. We're, hey, it's Muddy Waters Media, folks. We got technical That's difficulties. Right. <laughs> I had to mute my mic there for like three minutes because I could not stop sneezing. So oh. yeah, go ahead. You got Corona? Do you want some ivermectin? Uh, you want some pretty some dewormer? Yeah. <laughs> Some horse dewormer, yeah. That, uh, ivermectin is used for much more than that. But I don't oh yeah, no, I won't talk yeah. about that. <laughs> <laughs> so, going back into this, this is really frustrating, and it's not just this um, individual. Like I said, Peggy Ann, two hundred and seven different uh, properties, I believe they said, two hundred and seven commercial properties are filing for appeals on this because they're facing, like Peggy Ann, 50% increase in their property value assessments. So I know people around here too are facing a similar situation. We might see like a similar lawsuit in this area. Um, one of my friends actually lives in this uh, crowded neighborhood and the assessor standed, stood, standed, <laughs> stood on one part of the street and was able to see just the top little portion of a mountain around here I was like, all right, all these values have mountain view. So that spiked up their property assessment. Whereas my friend, she's kind of like at the bottom of the hill. So you can't see the mountain. Even if you cleared the trees all around the property, you can't see the mountain. But now her property is listed as having a mountain view because that assessor was just standing on the street and was like, all right, all these houses can see that mountain tip. We're going to write that down. So it's absolutely criminal how these folks will go to these places and increase the property value. And now they have to pay much higher in property taxes. And really, it's just, I see it as a scam. I decided to actually write to uh, a comment on this and say that the purpose of this is to collect more in property taxes. It's immoral how government officials deem it necessary to milk every penny out of hardworking Alaskans to fund overpriced projects. Alaskans pay the price time and time again with very little or no return. In the end, Alaskans are the ones facing consequences of mismanagement and excessive use of tax dollars. It's time to turn our attention to those who are spending these dollars and express our frustrations of these actions. And I really want to emphasize this because there are people that are mismanaging our funds and asking for more money. 
It's like you're yes. having that friend that's constantly asking for money from you, even though you know he's wasting it on like useless crap. Like, I don't know, he bought a llama last week or something, and now he wants more money. It's like, no, if you can afford these projects, yeah. you're fine. Otherwise, you don't know how to budget. So I said, I'm yeah. also frustrated with the concept of property taxes. The government is not my landlord. And I'd rather my money went directly to projects and private organizations that get significantly more efficient and better results. The action by city officials is short-sighted and immoral in it that it will have lasting negative results on the people and businesses of Juno and only benefits the council's selfish gain to cover up their inability to budget. Hmm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, there's so right. No question. I, I've, I've been preaching about this for a long time because I get into all these spaces that aren't very libertarian and we keep talking about um, they're underfunded, right? Our school systems are underfunded. Our hospitals are under, underfunded. Our state governments, our local governments, our federal governments are underfunded. No, they're not. They're not. They're not underfunded. They misappropriate their funds. They do not allocate their resources well. And we could dive off into a whole bunch of corruption. But the fact of the matter is they are not underfunded. They're not. Not even close. They just don't spend the money well. Exactly. And for example, Juno actually spent $12 million on this brass whale sculpture. You might have seen it all over like Travel Alaska or Instagram Alaska type stuff. And it's this like, it's gorgeous. It's this gorgeous fountain and it's this brass whale and people love taking pictures for Instagram and magazines of it. But they spent $12 million on it. And then also, let's see. I think what else that they did. Um, there's so many things that they've done, but that's just an example. They have like a $12 million brass whale sculpture fountain for the Capitol. It's utterly insane. <laughs> Which insane. is gorgeous. Also, they have, um, they made grants to have, uh, to teach drag queen lessons. I don't know much about this. Someone else had brought it up and people were like, I remember that. I don't live in Juno, by the way. Um, Juno's pretty far away. Like I said, it's very far away from most of Alaska. So people in the comments are talking about like, didn't you spend, you know, this many dollars, you know, millions of dollars on this? Didn't you spend money on this? Which I actually love seeing these people being like putting their feet, you know, the council's feet to the fire. Like, hey, uh, didn't you do this? Didn't you spend money on this? <laughs> so they're obviously not knowing how to budget. They have plenty of money as seen as by spending $12 million on a brass whale sculpture. <laughs> unbelievable. It's unbelievable. And so they're going to attack the property owners. Something else is actually happening up here. They make it so expensive to own these places. Like just utterly insane. $1.2 million, really, for one-sixth of an acre with a building on it? They make it so expensive, so people have to move out of it. People from out of state come in and buy that place and rent it to the folks. Yep. That has been happening. So we have people from out of state, actually, that come in and buy big swaths of land because they can. And then 
us taxpayers have to pay for all of the fees and whatnot of building a road to that swath of land. And then that individual is actually cutting up that land to make you know, a little neighborhood. And so we have to pay for that. And then they wanna develop the area. And so that guy also owns this part of the land. Well, let's turn it into a park. Well, guess who gets to pay for that park? Us, the taxpayers. So this guy is raking in the money as a tax, you know, the council's like, well, we need to build the roads. My roads. <laughs> right. That's always the argument. My roads. There's no argument. <laughs> so that's also happening. My roads. Then these properties are assessed through the roof that people from out of state can afford it. And so they buy it. And they rent it back to us, and all of our money is being funneled slowly, or slowly being bled to folks from out of state who is who are making millions off of us. They are, they are. I mean, you can check. We have the receipts, right? It's not like we're we're making something up here. This isn't fake news. This isn't false information, misinformation, disinformation. We have the receipts. They're literally making millions. Yeah, I've actually been going through. Uh, I've been going through like uh, borough notes, and I see all the projects that they are confirming. Like, oh yeah, we'll spend you know so many tens of thousands on this. We're going to spend so many hundreds of thousands on this. And if you look at the projects, right. it's these swaths of land that aren't owned by someone from here. They're creating these neighborhoods and adding these parks and developing this living area. And we're paying for it. We're paying for the roads and the clearances and anything else, any other projects that have to do with developing that area. However, it's someone else who owns it. The property is skyrocketing. They sell it back to us. It's quite frustrating. So yep. if we lived in a society where we had to consent to building my roads, <laughs> I can guarantee you, those of us that live in the area, we wouldn't be consenting to building out to these areas, considering mm. if we knew who is actually benefiting from it. Yep. And also how so, insanely high the price tag is of some of these projects. Sorry, go ahead. No, you're good. No, I, I loved how you uh, landed there because Morgan, I was just going to literally say Morgan Dow has a freaking great point on the uh, in the comment section. Gentrification. I mean, that's what this is, but it's inappropriately, inappropriately used. But Jennifer, gentrification, yes. Um, Joseph Nathan Clement says, if taxes are for my roads, I want a refund. And that's a valid statement. <laughs> also, if taxes are going to fund the Taliban for Black Hawk helicopters and semi-automatic versus automatic machine guns, or also automatic machine guns. I want some too. Or a tax refund. Sorry. Just played in there. Make Alaska, Alaska again, says Jacob LaBelle. Yeah. Headed on the really right path. Should. For sure. We. It's really sickening to see this. And you can't tax a place into prosperity. I mean, nope. you're just bleeding them dry. If yep. you cannot 
manage the budget that you're given and you keep wanting to do these, I know these projects of beautification and grandeur and luxury, but you can't afford it. Hmm. It's called budgeting and there needs to be more consequences for mismanaging funds like this. Shouldn't there be? Preach. Yes. Also, there are never, there is not one circumstance in which our tax dollars should go to the beautification of anything. Ever. Never. Personal opinion. Some of you may disagree. That's fine. But no, I do not believe that under any circumstances at all, ever, even if you had the budget, should you be erecting architecting structurals uh structures or anything of that nature that is absolutely useless and be honest with yourselves um with ourselves a statue or whatever it was that you said that cost thir what 13 million dollars 12 million 13 or 18 13 12 12 12 yeah. i'll go with 13 because i said that first um <laughs> it was probably 12 point something so we'll round it up to 13 yeah no, no, not one cent of tax dollars should go to that. There's a great point uh, about stuff for that. GoFundMe, crowdfund, raise the money. If the community really wants a statue that costs 12 plus million dollars, then they'll pay for it. Your tax dollars, which are ripped from you before you even get to touch them, should not ever, never, not ever. Yeah, and something that, um, I don't know the full details about this, but I know in Alaska, all the um, government buildings have to have a certain percentage of it be art. So all of these buildings have some oh. sort of statue or structure. I think, don't quote me on this, but I think it's part of the Alaska Beautification Act, um, which is something I could actually do a, an episode on. We have the Beautification yes. Act. Do that. <laughs> Do that because really what that means is we're going to take, we're going to say you owe us this many tax dollars to make our city more pretty, but then they're going to take whatever is left over and line their pockets with it. Just a guess. I'm just guessing. Tell me I'm wrong. I'm just guessing. <laughs> There's multiple here. parts it to it. Um, one part I do like is that you're not allowed to have billboards up here. Because oh. it obstructs the beauty of everything around, which I like that. I will consent to that. <laughs> you consent to, uh, uh, you consent to a law that says that you can't have a billboard? Yes. Alaska's beautiful. Right. I'm so glad we don't have billboards. Maybe I'm not a real libertarian. I but No, none of us are. I'm not a real libertarian. <laughs> I'm like 80% I will punch people in the mouth for a, lot of, for a lot of reasons. I won't consent to not having a billboard, though, because that's peak capitalism, right? I should be allowed to slap a billboard on the side of the interstate if I can afford it so that you can go follow Noel Olin instead of the Cajun Libertarian since Facebook wants to. Anyway. <laughs> yeah, I'm yeah, not billboards are libertarian. <laughs> that's no what you, people are going to take out of this. Yucky. Yeah, billboards Bill, are yucky. Yeah, they're yucky. That's a tweet right there. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You're welcome. <laughs> I'm going to tweet that right now while you talk about mm -hmm. our next sponsor. Uh, who? Jack Casey? That guy. Woo! Well, Eskimo tweets out, billboards are yucky. 
And you're welcome, by the way, to all of you that get to watch that tweet and witness it from your uh, philosophical orator of, of tonight, the Cajun Libertarian. Billboards are yucky. So is this picture of Jack Casey while simultaneously being absolutely gorgeous. You can order not just two, but three of his books now because they're all out. Because we literally peer pressured him into finishing the last book. So with that, I will say, Jack Casey, it's about damn time. I will also switch the screens here while she is tweeting out my uh, my and just amazing, amazing <laughs> Socratic revolution of thought that is billboards are yucky. I'm going to go ahead and preemptively jump into, if I can find it real quick, this right here, Tom452.com. Now, what you might know, might not know, or actually, I'm going to tell you right now, you definitely do not know about Tom452.com is that from now on, instead of just being an ad, read Tom452.com. And now it's time. For our TomFor52.com anchor wheel in segment where we wheel in your calls like Tom is going to wheel into the New York State Senate with the TomFor52.com anchor wheel in segment. Let's get it. We have a few of them. <laughs> What's going on, Cajun Libertarian? This is Joseph Clement, a.k.a. the Russian Bot. I'm just outside Tigerland, and as of 545, we haven't had much but a little rain and a lot of wind gust, but it's not supposed to get bad until later tonight, so we're going to sit tight and hope for the best. But uh, I'm also going to give a shout-out to the EBR Libertarian Peck because we're planning on holding, uh, handing out jambalaya lunches as soon as all this blows over. We don't know exactly but we'll keep you posted. And uh, one last thing before we go, Kuyan, you know dang well that you, the potato <laughs> salad goes into gumbo. Oh, no, he did not. Joseph Clement, you didn't just, you did not just say potato salad goes into gumbo. All right, these are important because of the little tiny update that we're going to give right after that. He's actually got two more. What's going on, Cajun Libertarian? This is Joe with the EBR Libertarian Peck. Uh, just want to give you an update on my personal status as well as what's going on around here. I got lucky. I didn't lose electricity once at all. Most of the people I've, from what I'm seeing around me did. But all in all, Baton Rouge, compared to much of the other rest of the state, seemed to have dodged a bullet. But it's really... Laplace and Wagaman, from what I'm understanding, they got hit bad as well as New Orleans. But so the EBR Peck and I are probably talking about going down to do Jambalaya next week, hopefully. But I will try to keep you posted. Uh, so catch you later. Please do, Joseph. One more from Joseph. Come on. Hey, Cajun, this is Joseph. One more time. I want to let you know about something else. Uh, a lot of first responders have been posted up right around 4.15 in Port Allen, and I wanted to see if you could let them all know that Crazy Horse Cabaret is going to be having its anniversary party this Sunday. If they wear leather, they will get in free. We're going to have a buffet set up and everything. So if they need to come by, relax after a hard day's work, 
We're going to be open Sunday night. All right. Whoop. Whoop. <laughs> Thank you, Joseph. That is uh, fantastic news. So that is tonight's Tom for 52.com anchor wheel in segment where we will in your calls like Tom is going to wheel into the New York State Senate. Tom for 52.com. Yes. Thank you very much, Joseph. Um, we will absolutely follow up. I, uh, Joseph is in very South Louisiana. I live in Jackson, Mississippi now. I am from very South Louisiana. But um, we, we try to keep in contact as much as absolutely possible. With in regards to Hurricane Ida, there are a lot of people, li quite literally still, and I've been hearing the reports, there are a million or more people without power in South Louisiana, which, if you don't know, in August is brutal. You have to have electricity. It is absolutely rough. It's 100-plus degrees down here. And so or down there i'm i'm in south mississippi or the southern hemisphere of, of south mississippi so please go check out you know what i'm gonna put the um oh also if you did not hear there were like several people that in new england or the northeastern part of the united states actually died from flooding from hurricane ida and so this thing is stretched far 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 wide but if you're looking for help or you're looking to help in the South Louisiana area, you can go to unitedcajun.org or cajunnavyrelief.com. They are literally still sending. I'm talking to these people all the time. They are sending people out all day, all night, to go and help clear trees, get crap off of power lines, get the electrical companies down there. It, it is a, a full-on mass effort. Even just with the electricity, that's a dire, dire, dire situation because there's a lot of people that cannot go without uh, air conditioning in these kinds of conditions. So please do what you can. Send things, send canned goods, send blankets, send whatever you can, send money, unitedcajun.org, cajunnavyrelief.com. Those are the two organizations that I have spoke with and I feel comfortable with that. So, with that being said, oh, if you didn't see it before, that was Hurricane Ida right before it hit the hit the coast. Wow. Absolutely beautiful storm and crushing. If you can see the cursor, my uh, cursor there, the eye wall there is perfectly formed. That is an absolutely gorgeous and perfect storm, and it wreaked so much havoc and still is. Like I said, pe people in New York and New Jersey – have died from flooding from Hurricane Ida. This is very serious. So, with that wow. being said, yeah, it, it's been absolutely incredible. It, it's unbelievable. It, it wasn't the, the worst storm. It wasn't the most severe storm. But sometimes these things to just these things just hit right, and it's. It's a tragic loss of life, loss of home, loss of property. Many, many, many people, like I said, millions are still displaced. At least a million, last I heard, are still uh, without power in South Louisiana and will be for weeks. Intergy, wow. the company down there, had every one of their grids 
the last I heard was knocked out. And, and so it, it, it's rough. It's rough. Please, please, please help in every way that you can. With that being said, we are going to move on because we're at 57 minutes and I still have a whole segment to do. So security guard who shot a man three times acted in self-defense because the victim wasn't wearing a mask is the article. That's the headline of the article with a little closed caption right there at the end. Defense attorney says, right? Security guard who shot a man three times acting in self-defense because the victim wasn't wearing a mask. A liquor store security guard was acting in self-defense when he shot a customer three times because the customer was, quote-unquote, putting others' lives at risk by not wearing a mask. The guard's private defense attorney said the victim fled the store, fell outside, followed by the defendant, the defendant being the person who shot him. According to the surveillance video, shot a second time. So shot him in the store, shot him a second time. The defendant then paces back and forth and shot a third time. Holmes and the victim argued about the mask. Holmes is the defendant, the person that shot this guy three times for not wearing a mask. Holmes and the victim argued about the mask policy, and the victim eventually left. He then turned around and walked back in. When he did, Holmes met him with a drawn handgun and shot him. This is obviously going to be a self-defense case. How? What? What? No. This is just attorneys doing attorney crap. This is obviously going to be a self-defense case. He said after hearing the allegations, he called the circumstances basically a customer who's unruly, who wants to put others' lives at risk by not wearing a COVID mask, Holmes, argued or Holmes attorney argued reacted in self-defense to a man who wasn't wearing a COVID mask. His defense attorney said he has a big heart and is a kind hearted man. Now let's for a second, re evaluate the fact that this guy shot a man three times, twice of which he was trying to flee the situation. Once of which he paced back and forth and decided to shoot him a third time. But his defense attorney says he has a big heart and is a kind-hearted man. Now, let's flesh out why that is an absolute effing, disgusting, pathetic lie. Not just the fact that he shot a man three times for, wearing a, for not wearing a mask. No. Holmes, the guy that shot the dude that wasn't wearing a mask three times, was convicted of sexually assaulting a six-year-old girl and sexually abusing a 15-year-old girl in 2003. He also served two prison terms for failing to follow sex offender registration requirements. He was a four-time convicted of felon, two times for child predatory molestation. Though it is possible to obtain guns... Oh, I'm sorry. My bad. I went too far there. I erased some notes. And that's okay, because I don't need them. Holmes, who is barred from possessing a weapon because he is a four-time convicted felon and registered child sex offender, was working as an armed security guard. So, this quote-unquote armed security guard, who's a four-time felon child sex rapist, 
decided to shoot somebody three times because he wasn't wearing a mask because that's where we're at in the United States right now. We're going to shoot people because they weren't wearing a mask in defense of life. This, Believe me, there are news outlets that are going to defend this and say that this guy was right. He's a four-time felon and a child sex offender twice. I can, however, tell you exactly how to solve this situation. It's very easy, right? Super easy. How do we stop this situation from happening? We just need more common sense gun laws. If the, if if felons weren't allowed to have guns, he's a four-time convicted felon and a hired armed security guard. If he wasn't allowed to have a gun, this would have never happened. Oh, wait. We already have those laws, don't we? Yes, we do. Here's a few of them. In Chicago, and very recently. So how do we... I'm not going to beat that dead horse. It's, it's absolute garbage. Gun laws don't hurt anybody but law-abiding citizens. And this is obvious. This is obvious truth right here. He's a four-time convicted felon, twice sex child sex predator, but yet he's got a gun, and he's working as an armed security guard. So let's just make more gun laws because that's how this works. So what you're saying is we need more wood chippers, not more gun laws. We need more wood chippers and we need more laws that allow us to use wood chippers feet first for child sex predators. Yes. Yes, feet first. We're not savages. No, we're not savages at all. Very compassionate on the children. I thought I put all these notes in order. I did not. So I'm going to wing it for a second. Here's some recent changes to Chicago's gun laws. On January 1st of 2019, the state of Illinois implemented several changes to their gun laws. The purpose driving these changes was to make it more difficult for people to obtain a gun and easier for law enforcement personnel to take guns away from known criminals and people who are deemed dangerous. Here's a summary of three recent changes. Because that obviously worked. In the case of this man getting shot three times by a four-time felon convicted of sexual predatory rape against minors. So, yeah. Number one, the waiting period to purchase a rifle has been increased. This is from 2019. The waiting period to increase the waiting period to purchase a rifle has been increased from 24 hours to 72 hours between the time you purchased the gun and when you could take possession of it. How does that help? It's Chicago. No, very few people are using a rifle to murder other people. They're all handguns. And they're all possessed illegally. You know, you know this 70 they, they increased it from 24 hours to 72 hours to get a rifle, a hunting rifle. You know what this sounds like? It sounds like a crazy game of Simon Says. Hmm. I think we've seen that live on video before. Anyway, yes, you are exactly right. It is a game of Simon Says, and it is absolutely 100% directed at lawful, abiding gun owners and U.S. citizens. None of this is going. None of this is going to affect people that want to shoot somebody three times for not wearing a mask. It's not. 
Gun owners are required to obtain a firearms owner identification card in FOID, which must be renewed in a process that can be quite lengthy. The 2019 amendment ensures that an expired FOID card will remain valid as long as the renewal application was submitted prior to the expiration. This prevents gun owners from being charged with unlawful use of a firearm while waiting to receive their new FOID card in the mail. Here is what I understand that at the end, when you reach the end of that law or regulation, you're like, okay, well, that's good. That's protect the, the gun owners. False. They don't need an FOID card. That, 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 that should not be required in the first place. That is illegal, unconstitutional gun laws. You shouldn't be required to have an FOD, FOID card. So why should there be a law to protect you from your expiration running out when it shouldn't be there in the first place? They, just, they, they do this stuff to gaslight folks. That's what they do. They'll throw this in the middle of it saying, look, we're trying to protect gun owners, gun owners, but it never should have been an issue in the first place. So it's, it's, it's obsolete. And here's, here, here's a tough one. The Firearms Restraining Order Act was signed into law in July 2018 and went to effect January 1 of 2019. This law allows courts to issue a six-month emergency order of protection that can be processed and issued the same day, enabling the court to temporarily revoke an alleged dangerous person's FOID card and firearms on an emergency basis. Okay? So, just to make that very short, they have instituted an emergency law that they can do the day of whatever they decide is an emergency. That's a slippery slope. What if that emergency is you don't want a COVID vaccine? Now, all of a sudden, no, 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 that's an emergency. He's putting all these other people's lives at risk. He, she. So we're going to take their guns. That's where this leads. It's really dangerous. Very dangerous. And it sets precedent. This is law in Chicago, in Illinois. This is law right now. It says precedent that they can literally take away your ability to own a card that you shouldn't need in the first place to have a firearm based on a quote unquote emergency, which they can deem whatever is and literally invoke it that day, the day they show up right then, right there, right now. This is an emergency that we deem necessary. Give me your guns or you're going to prison or worse. And we've been seeing over the past year what the government is willing to call an emergency. Come on. Oh, keep going. Yes. Exactly. (laughs) Yeah. There's been plenty of examples. I mean, all throughout history where government says it's an emergency, it's for your safety. And people are like, oh, okay. Stop rolling over, folks. All right. This is the precedent that you're setting. And you're allowing this to happen. Yep. Let's check some comments. A lot of people rely replying a ton, ton of comments. Um, a lot of people replying to themselves, or not to themselves, that's dumb. To each other, <laughs> sorry. <laughs> um, I, 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 
I don't know what happens, right? Like I, I literally go into this stuff. I read my notes. I didn't expect to get fired up. This is insane. This, this should be alarming and a wake-up call for every citizen of the United States. Every one of us. Because now this is law. Lawyers and attorneys, this is what this is precedent. Now they can draw from this judgment and be like, it worked there. So we should be able to do it here. And it can pass because it has precedent. Quite literally, I'll read it to you again. The Firearms Restraining Order Act was signed into law in July of 2018 and went into effect July or January 1st of 2019. This law allows courts to issue a six-month emergency order of protection that can be processed and issued the same day, enabling the I court to temporarily revoke an alleged dangerous person's firearm-carrying card and firearms on an emergency basis. I think you brought up a good point to um, talking about setting a precedent. If you're trying to fight something like this in the court of law and there's a precedent already set, that is what is going to be referenced in court exactly. or pre-court residings. Like, well, in this case, you know, someone versus someone, this is what happened. And then that can be used in court. This was the ruling. So it's very dangerous to let even little bits happen because it can snowball very quickly. And will. And will. And will. We, we These are the... I, I, I'm pretty sure there's a lot of people that heard about the quote-unquote armed security guard that was guarding a liquor store in Chicago because it's a war zone down there and you need security for a liquor store up there, I should say. I love Chicago. I lived in Chicago for a little over six months in the military. My second favorite favorite place to visit in the United States. Um but the fact Is that, that for this, basic? Huh? Was that for basic? That's where uh, my basic, brothers went. Yeah, yeah. Great Lakes, basic and core school, hospital yeah. and corner school as well. Yep. So this, this is unbelievable. This is law now in that state. And other lawyers and attorneys that are anti-2A, which there are many, are going to draw from this case and be able to present that case in court as precedent and can win. Red state or not. Purple state or not. Doesn't matter. This is worse by the second. So, moving on, and I'm going to speed through this really quick because... We are out of pretty much time. So I'm just chilling yeah, with my drink yeah. here. What are you drinking? <laughs> this is a lemon lime hard seltzer from Alaskan Brewing. Nice. Look how gorgeous that can is. I am drinking my diabetic friendly throat wetter, which I have told many people at this point, probably a quarter of my blood is literally power aid zero because cameras are working that's just what i drink all day every day powers i've got blue flavored power aid zero in my cup right now defy the power.com 
Go check them out. Big supporters of the Liberty Movement. DefyThePower.com. The camera is not focusing. Focus on the camera. Now focus on me. Nope. I'll, I'll just be fuzzy. Just chubby, fuzzy. Chubby cheeks of justice. You are a little fuzzy. Sorry, it'll work out. Nat Geo, I will feed it to you. Cajun Libertarian. Uh, Noella <laughs> Lynn, apparently, at this point. Because they are trying to destroy me. Really quick. What if you could become invisible to mosquitoes? I told you all this segment was fascinating. This is fascinating on multiple levels. I'll go through it very quickly because it's not going to take long anyway. Using CRISPR, scientists have taken the first step towards creating a mosquito that is blind to human hosts. This is real, like incredible. It, it gets even more like super weird, okay? CRISPR, using CRISPR. Now let's talk about what CRISPR is for just like 1.5 seconds. CRISPR technology is a simple yet powerful tool for editing genomes. It allows researchers to easily alter DNA sequ sequences and modify gene function. These organisms use CRISPR-derived RNA in various Cas proteins, including Cas9, to foil attacks by viruses and other foreign bodies. They are using RNA to blind mosquitoes from humans. Okay? So mosquitoes cannot see humans. Why is RNA important? Because that's like the main ingredient in the COVID vaccines. That doesn't sound suspect. Look it up. RNA. Moderna. Pfizer. It's not M really an ingredient. I, ingredient probably was the wrong word. It's like biotechnology. Okay? That's probably the more correct vernacular. These organisms use CRISPR-derived RNA. All right? And then it tells you right there, to foil attacks by viruses and other foreign bodies. RNA is the main element of most of the COVID vaccines, and they're using that to blind mosquitoes from you. It may sound like a superpower, but a new study is looking at ways for people to be invisible to mosquitoes. It requires editing the genes of the mosquito itself. In California, biologists have found a way to mutate a mosquito's vision. Craig Mornell is a professor in the Molecular, Cellular, and Biology Department at University of California, Santa Barbara, and co-author of the study. His team was able to use gene editing CRISPR technology to mutate the light receptors in the mosquito's eyes. The mosquitoes they worked on have five light receptors in their eyes, which are known as opsins. After biologists successfully removed two of the receptors, so two out of the five, they removed the receptors using CRISPR gene modification technology, which is RNA, which is one of the main elements of what we just talked about. The mosquitoes lost their ability to visually identify humans, although they weren't blind. If you el eliminate both options, their ability to find their targets is reduced. It's not just eliminated. They still can behave in a way that shows that they still have a visual capacity. The research focuses on a type of mosquito known as Aedes aegypti, which is native to Africa and spreads diseases like dengue, Zika, and yellow fever. Uh, mosquito control is where I first started. Uh, if you don't know, I help run a pest control company. I got the, the owner than me 
and then we go from there, right? And so, Aedes aegypti spreads diseases like dengue, Zika, and yellow fever. Why don't you see West Nile there, which is the most prominent deadly disease vectored by mosquitoes other than malaria in Africa? We're talking about here in North America, South America. Why not Nespile? Why not West Nile, right? Because the Aegeus aegypti is not a vector for West Nile. But the Culex kinkafasciatus is, a.k.a. this is the scary part, the southern house mosquito. Literally, the main vector for West Nile virus is the southern house mosquito, common southern house mosquito to be specific. Uh, you can find them in drains, profusely in dirty water collections, including stagnant drains, cesspools, septic tanks with leaks, burrow pits, and almost all organic polluted water sources. Under optim, optim, optimum temperature and humidity, the life cycle will be completed in seven days, passing through the egg, larva, pupa, and adult stages. So that's important because there's a lot of people that will put their hunting dogs or dogs into a pen right next to a ditch in the south. And those dogs will get West Nile. It doesn't affect them the same way as it does us. The dogs will actually get heartworms from it. Chickens also get West Nile virus. Humans are not, uh, they cannot transport West Nile from one human to another. We're a dead host, right? My screen is freezing up. Anyway, so. I don't know how much you could hear that last part because I started freezing up on my end. Don't put your dogs out near the ditch, especially pinned up. Don't put your chickens out there. Don't put your horses out there. They can get West Nile virus. That is from Southern Common House Mosquito. Other than that, uh, the 80s Egypti, which is what they're looking for to make humans literally invisible to mosquitoes. And that is quite fascinating. The immediate next steps in our research is we're also trying to understand more about the mechanisms that mosquitoes use to employ other human cues. The author, co-author of the uh, article and research. The next thing that we're currently doing in the lab is really studying the kinds of receptors that mosquitoes use to find people through other senses. And while that may not be fascinating to everybody, it very much was to me. And I'm, I had to speed through it because we're, we're, approaching uh an hour and a half here hour 20 so yes you can go look that up california study they're literally altering the dna using the same biotechnology that we use in the covid vaccines to make invisible make humans invisible to as of right now a very specific type of mosquito and that's pretty freaking awesome oh hit the wrong button <laughs> i think RNA should be clarified. It's ribonucleic acid, and it's pretty much like a biological uh, information sort of thing. It's kind of like changing information on like a zip drive or something. It's, it's genome evolution. You just literally describe it. They're changing the DNA using RNA, and RNA is the main biotech that they use in the COVID vaccines. So, yeah, you're absolutely right. They are doing that for real. And that's weird and fascinating to me. 
literally. <laughs> yes, probably like acid for sure. Carcinic Not though. DNA, but they're yeah. using RNA to alter the genome. Yeah. DNA so is, de is deoxyribonucleic acid. RNA is ribonucleic acid. Exactly. But they are using that. So uh, not to go too far off the rabbit hole here. They're using this in the COVID vaccines and they're using it to alter the DNA and the literal biological construction of mosquitoes eyesight. Take that where you want it. I think Take that where you want it. we're going to take this technology and eventually this is going to like exponentially take off and we're going to start Jurassic Park for real. <laughs> Did you see that tweet I posted from Jurassic Park funnies? Oh, it's hilarious. Yes. Never mind. <laughs> oh, it was funny, right? Yeah, that page got sucked anyway. So, oh. But you know who's not sucked and who is fantastic and is not using RNA technology to blind mosquitoes? Jonathan Reels? Yeah, Jonathan Reels. He is not a Reels candidate yet, but you can help him by donating at www.jonathan.cash. He is running for Alabama's second district um, as a representative, and he needs to raise $5,000 to be a Reels candidate. So go to www.jonathan.cash. Yeah, Jonathan Reels, folks. Yep, and do that today. So, you have a fair on Sunday, is that correct? Yes, so I am going to go to the Alaska State Fair on Sunday. Um, it'll be me and Sean Thorne. Uh, Sean Thorne is running for U.S. Senate of Alaska. And so we're going to go there and talk to a few nonprofits, um, have some interviews, uh, talk with a bunch of folks, um, eat some fair food. I love fair food, which Alaska fair food isn't like other places fair food. Like it's not deep fried and everything. Like we're not having deep fried lemonade, Oreos, ice cream like some places <laughs> it's like grilled seafood and like how I, I had a, a barbecue turkey leg that was really good it's it's not deep fried everything just good seafood so me and sean will be there on sunday it's also military appreciation day so if you are currently serving or have served uh bring your military id or proof that you've served and you get $10 off uh, your entrance fee to get into the fair. Uh, and then up to three dependents also get that discount. Super cool. So if you guys are going to be there, there's an event page. It's on the Eskimo Libertarian page or on the Pick Sean candidate page. And let us know that you're going to be there. And you can ask us questions and take pictures. And this is mainly for uh, Sean Thorne and his campaign. But I'll be tagging along because I'm part of his social media team. So, should be fun. Did you have an announcement that you didn't put in the notes, or we're not doing that right now? Not doing that right now. Uh, well, this week, actually, something that's really cool that I actually want to share is that I went through this facilitation workshop. So, I'm actually going to be facilitating meetings in uh, the local community with individuals talking about systemic racism um, against Alaska natives and uh, some cultural things and helping people understand 
how the government has affected Alaska Natives. As being specific, I had that presentation talking about residential schools and the uh, Indian Adoption Program. Uh, there's also other things that I can add to that as well, but I'll be facilitating these discussions with locals about this, which is really exciting. I'm really stoked for that. It's a really sad sub subject. I'm glad that I'm going to be able to present it to folks. Yeah, and, and obviously you're going to present it well. It is very important. I'm, I'm, and that's pretty cool that you are uh, you're going to be doing that. I'm trying to fish through comments here, but... <laughs> That's okay. I really need to get with Matt about how to. I'm just, this can't be right. Anyway, when is that? So I that will be. Already. Oh, um, I haven't. The facilitating meetings thing isn't set up yet. I went through the workshop and training to do that. So hopefully soon I'll start having these meetings and talking with um, local professionals. Um, it's going to be folks that are like social workers or teachers or, uh, I'm trying to think like educators as a whole. So should be exciting. Yeah. It's going to be awesome. Is there a way that we can help? Uh, not that I know right now, but as soon as I do know, I will be advertising that everywhere, letting folks know how they can help out. Um, the organization is Rock Matsu and that's, Rock R O C K, raising our children with kindness, and so. Oh, nice, love that. Yeah, but I won't be talking love. to children about this. I'll be talking with adults about this. Right, right. <laughs> <laughs> right. No, that's a that's a valid point to clarify, for yeah. sure. It's <laughs> funny, but um, still very uh important in in applicable to how we are dealing with our children in America in in your county district borough, borough. of Alaska parish yes. if you're in Louisiana all of the above so yes. fantastic anything else before we jump we at an hour and a half but we actually we actually had like a long show but was well informed and well detailed and it wasn't like last week's where I just rambled horribly. Yes, pat yourself on the back for sure. Fantastic. <laughs> loved your loved your segment. <laughs> Thank you. Don't be serious. I, I just thought of a comment I was gonna say, but then you just complimented me. I'm like, oh no, I shouldn't pick on oh. you. <laughs> no, pick on me, it's fine. It's I was gonna say it's don't jerk yourself off so hard, damn. <laughs> oh, oh yeah, 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 yeah. I try not to do that. I mean, I've already got shoulder problems. <laughs> Right? Probably right? from doing that oh. too much. <laughs> I mean, it's, I think it's, it's actually from it's carrying the team. Oh, man. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> carrying the Liberty Movement. It's I tell your, you what. It's your joke. <laughs> it's a good joke, though. That is your joke. So, anything else before we get out of here? Oh, I forgot to change my damn name. I'm sorry, y'all. I'm very tired. It's been a rough month. Should it's okay. You can still keep that Biden. title. You have a brand. Yeah. Keep it. Yeah, but so do you. I like muddied igloo. I want to be muddied by you. So this is the Me way. Too. The large ice structure. Ew. All right. Anyways, moving on. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> nice. So, <laughs> I guess with that being said, 
Thank y'all so much for joining in. We love y'all very, very much. You are incredible. And this is the Cajun and Eskimo show. Advocating for a freer world. From bayous. To igloos. Cheers. Love y'all.